Lessons Lived podcast, hosted by Michael Puente. What would you teach the world? Hello and welcome to Lessons Lived. I'm here with Tuan Lam. He's the founder of Go Inspire Go. He's a filmmaker, a storyteller, a motivational speaker, university instructor, and most recently he's working on a YouTube series called Style Your Spirit which consists of short videos with simple design tips that have a big impact on your space and your life. One of his Style Your Spirit episodes has inspired me to start making my bed every morning. I'm sitting here with Tuan in his absolutely beautiful apartment, which just this week was featured on the website Apartment Therapy. Personally, I know Tuan to have a lot of wisdom, and when I've worked on some challenges recently, he's helped me put them into perspective. Tuan's going to talk about three lessons today. First is find your truth, the importance of having a spiritual practice, and giving back. Hello, Tuan. How are you doing? Hey. Oh, my God. I Thank you so much for sharing your how my story and my energy and you know just our connection has inspired you. You don't really reverberate. You're just putting stuff out there in the world, and sometimes it's really important to sit for a minute and just hear feedback from people. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, I, I receive it. I'm glad that you receive it. It's, it's very good because I never thought of myself as having style and your YouTube series makes it very easy because they're very easy to remember and they're very simple tips and they actually like, I make my bed every morning. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I, I never made that. my bed. My parents yeah. told me to make my bed and I don't know why I didn't listen to them, you know, mm. but then I hear yeah. you say it and say, you gave yeah. a good reason for it and I was like, okay, I'm going to try it. And now every day, if I'm like leave even to go, you know, brush my teeth before I make it, I look back and I'm like, I better... <laughs> Pull up those covers. <laughs> I love the ahas that go off when yeah. I do speaking engagements or when I speak to people that like, you know, have been in touch with me or see my content and they're like, oh, I had an aha. I mean, I think that's why I'm here. I think that's why I live. It's just exciting to see. So thank you for saying that. So tell us a little bit about your background because you've had a challenging early life. Yeah, I would say I had a more sordid start to my life than it seems. Mm-hmm. You know, perception, you know, your Instagram reel is always just your your best of. Sure. So my parents were pretty successful, made a good life for themselves, had a construction company back in Saigon, Vietnam, back in the day. And after the fall of Saigon, late 70s, I was eight months old and my parents decided to take all five kids and any family members that wanted to come on a boat in the middle of the night and we escaped the country. So they gave everything up and we ended up in a refugee camp in Indonesia for a couple years. And on this boat, what my mom said, there was like four or 500 people, grown men and women were dying of like dysentery because basically there's no toilets. Mm -hmm. My mom was like, we just brought whatever food we can eat for the voyage. Mm -hmm. Pirates would come and rape the women and children and steal their jewels and all these things and throw them over the shore. And for some miracle, like we were okay. And I was eight months old and I survived that. So I was about three years old by the time we ended up in South Sacramento. And imagine arriving there with your five kids, your husband or wife, and you know, some parents or and sisters and whatnot. Yeah. And ten of us lived in a trailer in a trailer park and we had four dollars in our pockets. Oh my god. And they did not speak English. So that was my start. We went from bad neighborhood to bad neighborhood. But, you know, so many people are like, oh, my gosh, that's so horrible, blah, blah, blah. My mom, it's all perspective, right? right. My mom was like oh, full of gratitude because here she saw hope for us. Mm. They wanted us to have a better chance at an education. They wanted us to have opportunity, you know, sort of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And... I found out that, and this added a lot of guilt to my life, that my American dream wasn't aligned with their American dream for me. Right. Which leads to my first point is, 
you know, finding your truth. So my truth was I loved reading, writing, and talking, Mike. And I would literally be at home and I would read the shampoo bottle in the shower. I'd be like, rinse, lather, repeat, methylparabin. (laughs) (laughs) And I would read children's books out loud to my make-believe audience. And it was just, it got to a point where my brother was like, shut up, your voice is so freaking annoying. And that was my world. And so my parents are Chinese Chinese. And so they're like, doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know? (laughs) (laughs) What all Asian parents want you to be. And for me, books were my passport out of... Right. I say the ghetto or that that situation or mm-hmm. out of my life, right? And so it wasn't until the first time somebody really saw my truth, and I don't want to get emotional talking about this. My eyes are starting to tear up, but it was Carolyn Weber. Mm-hmm. And I went to the University of San Francisco and we're poor. So my dad gave me $500 to go to a private Jesuit university. Mm-hmm. That's all they gave me total, period. Mm-hmm. And I had to like intern five times, work almost full time, took a full load every single time, scholarships, loans to, to put my way through. But I took this expository writing class. It was sort of my secret. Hmm. And I was scared to death taking it because I was like, oh my God, you know, I love reading, writing and talking, but maybe I'll be found out that I'm a phony, that I'm no good at writing or like I'm no, you know, good at speaking, storytelling. So I took this class and Carolyn Weber was this gorgeous spirit. She got her degree from Oxford University and had this lovely accent. She was Mm. doing a sabbatical teaching at the University of San Francisco. And the first essay was a one page on a moment in your life, one life lesson that changed the trajectory of your life. Oh my God, I didn't even realize that this is like life lesson. There you go. uh, Right? But anyway. um, (laughs) Synchronicity. I know, synchronicity, this podcast. So it was one thing that happened that changed the trajectory of your life. I don't even remember what I wrote about because I was so, my heart was palpitating, sweaty hands when I turned it in. And I was like, she's going to think it's crap. I turn it in, I leave the class. And next week I was going to drop the class and not tell her because I, I was that scared and fearful that she would say it was crap. And she handed it back to me and she looked me in the eye and she smiled. She goes, lovely job. And in perfect penmanship, she put, you are such a gifted and lively writer. What will you do with your talents? And I was just like, oh my God. So that's like, she saw me. And so that really stuck with me. And following your truth is hard. I mean, whether you are like an LGBT person, that's what you identify with, or you, you know, are in maybe a corporate job. Not that there's anything wrong with corporate jobs, but if that's not your truth, and maybe you instead want to be a musician or own a cupcake shop or whatever it is, if you don't follow that truth, you are betraying yourself. Now, I'm not saying leave your job. I'm just saying figure out a way to still do you and do what it is that excites you. And so my path led me to TV reporting. I became a TV reporter, Wausau, Wisconsin, Midland, Texas, Fresno, California, and then San Francisco, California, all on air TV mm. reporting. And then I became host for a show called California Heartland on PBS. Okay. Do you remember that? Reading Rainbow with LaVar Burton. Uh, I, I don't know. can't I don't do Rainbow. anything. Just take a look, read a book, Reading Rainbow. And so that taught me a few things. It taught me to speak better English. Mm-hmm. It taught me that it was okay to imagine. It was my safe space to be imaginative. Right. And that I wasn't some like freak, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that is betraying their parents. Right. What did your parents think about the not doctor, lawyer, um, engineer? Well, when I went to university, my mom was like, why not Would you stay home? There's food at home. Because in Asian culture, it's like, they don't say, I love you. They say, I love through you. Food. <laughs> yeah, through food, right? <laughs> And so she's like, she didn't understand. You know, my mom was like, well, you want to do TV? How you make money? How you buy clothes? And I was like, 
mom, it's not about the clothes, even though it is kind of about the clothes. No, I'm just kidding. But I was just like, it's about storytelling and it's about representing other Asian males and the Asian community out there because there are very few Asian males on air. Right. And so it's about storytelling. And for me, inspiring people to be better and do better for themselves and other people. And then eventually I went off to start my own nonprofit called Go Inspire Go. And it's a platform that inspires you to go get inspired and then go and use your power, your gifts, your talents, your network, whatever it is that you have to give back. And there's two series on there. One is the Everyday Hero series. And then the other one is a Style Your Spirit series. And the Style Your Spirit series is simple design tips that inspire big shifts. Right. So that's what I was talking about. Yeah. That got me yeah. to make my bed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a big deal to me. Yes. And I just love hearing the ahas and I love hearing. It's just a big gift when people message me or tell me that, you know, I light a candle when I eat dinner now and don't staring into my phone and the candle and just is a different energy. You know, you light it up, changes the ambiance. It reminds you to be present and eat and not be distracted or buying flowers. I used to think my aunt, Asian, Asian aunt would be like, why you buy flowers? So expensive, waste money. You see this lavender in my home right now. Beautiful home, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. For me, flowers are such, uh, and they don't have to be expensive flowers. You can go to Trader Joe's. There's like little flowers for like 2 dollars or you can like forage from a friend's yard. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but to me, flowers represent, they change the energy of the room. They're part of nature. They bring nature in, which inspires me to go out also right. and be in nature. They just bring me this like simple joy. They're also a gift to your home, to yourself and the people living in it. So why not treat yourself to the, you know, something little like that? And just like, you know, I always say style your spirit is a simple design tips that inspire big shifts. And when I say shifts, I also mean like spiritual shift. It lifts your spirits. And so that's what excites me with this is that sure, what's what's pretty is like, oh, you see, oh, look, Tuan's sitting on a beautiful couch or look, he is in his room with his linens that, you know, his, with a beautifully made bed, but it goes deeper than that. My mission with this is I believe that we should all be more present to the beauty around us. And I'm not just talking about things like a pillow and how expensive something is, right. but, you know, not just interior design, but just like the design of nature, the design of this beautiful present conversation. Right now, I'm not looking at my phone or looking at anything. I'm looking you in the eye and speaking with you and we're we're sharing this moment. So being present to the beauty around you and then feeling that inside you. And something changes yeah. that happens. You change your physical space, you change that place inside you. Yeah, definitely is the case that when you are surrounded by beauty, like if you're surrounded by clutter, I feel a little bit anxious. Yeah, anxious. you know why? The whole feng shui, feng shui or feng shui is how you say it in Chinese, but that means wind water and it's just the, the flow of arranging your life. Mm. And a lot of people think it's like also arranging furniture, which it is. There's a certain flow. But when your home is cluttered or dirty, mm -hmm. there's stuck energy. When right. there's like dust bunnies everywhere, that's stuck energy. So somehow the energy isn't flowing into your life. But I promise you, and this is why Marie Kondo is so big, because her life's mission is She's to spark joy. Uh... Yeah, Japanese organizer. Okay. Yeah. She has her own Netflix series. She's super famous. If you don't know who she is, then you've been I really... I know her name. I just yeah, yeah. Not you, but I'm just saying, if y'all don't know listening who she is, then you're either in a rock somewhere or you're really doing it right somewhere in the country and you have no connection to the real world. <laughs> but hers is all about sparking joy through tidying. And there is something more spiritual. It's not just like, a, oh my God, tidying, organizing, but it's just how you change inside. And I just think that is so important for us to be present and aware 
of this internal GPS that we do have. And that's my second life lesson is the whole spiritual practice. I'll tell you how I was influenced by with spiritual practice and all that in a bit. But, you know, Oprah, I guess, explains it the best and breaks it down the best. She says when um, Oprah Winfrey, the talk show host. Um, so another Oprah? Yeah, Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> Oprah. Um, but she says she always asks everybody that she interviews, what is your spiritual practice? And people get really thrown off and weirded out by it. And then she's like, well, don't get weird. All I'm saying is, what do you do to take care of yourself? Hmm. Right? And I was like, oh, that's a great way to think about it. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, how are you going to take care of my company? If you're not taking care of yourself, Mike, how so are you going to take care of yourself? She uses as an interview question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, so if you're not taking care of yourself, how are you going to take care of your business, right. your wife, your kids, your friends? Like, So I think it's really important. And so my spiritual practice is every single morning I get up, and if I'm super busy and running out the door, just 10 breaths to reboot yourself. Some days I just sit in silence, and some days I'm able to do it three minutes or five minutes or 30 minutes sometimes. And just sitting in silence, staring to my flowers or staring into this beautiful kind of view outside my window of the San Francisco Hill or staring into a candle. Or sometimes I use apps like Insight Timer or something that, you know, has guided meditations. Or sometimes I go on YouTube. Uh, but that's one of the things I do. And, you know, you and I met through CrossFit, mm -hmm. San Francisco CrossFit. So then I go to CrossFit and move my body. Then I'll get onto the business of doing work. But taking care of your, I call it spiritual practice, but taking care of your mind, body, and spirit is really important. So that's just the mind and spirit part, right? Um, is the, the meditation and being present and aware. Like if you're just chopping carrots, just chop your carrots. Mm -hmm. If you're taking a shower, just be there and be in the shower and enjoy your lavender soap or whatever, right. you, you know, versus like if you're thinking about your meeting or something right. else, you're really not in that moment. Yeah. Just like if you're with your kids and you're thinking about work or on your phone, you're not in the present moment. Or if you're walking along the beach and you're on your phone or you're thinking about the meeting, you're really not at the beach. Right, right. You're, you're not somewhere there. else. Yeah. And so that's really important. And then your physical body, I think it's so important to take care of. Very important life lesson I learned early, early on is I've been doing yoga and stretching. You know, at the gym, everybody's like, oh, like, wow, like you're really flexible. And it was just like, it didn't happen overnight. I'm almost 42, 41 now and flexible because I stretch in the morning and night most of the time. You still do yoga? Yeah, I still do yoga. I still do, um, you know, sometimes I'll roll out my mat here. Sometimes I'll do it in bed and stretch and do it to Tara Styles. S-T-I-L-E-S is a great YouTube, okay. um, you know, yoga teacher. Uh, she has a bedtime yoga. That's great. But taking care of your body is super important because it gets harder. You know, when if you're in your, your teens and then you're not working out, it's harder in your 20s. And then if you're not doing it in your 20s and in your 30s, you're starting to gain weight and starting to feel stressed and not, you know, expunging that extra stress and energy. So it just gets easier if you take care of what you put in your body and how you exert your energy and working mm. out. So work out regularly. Be mindful of what you put in your body. You know, it's okay to have alcohol once, you know, like once in a while or just yeah. be very mindful of, or like I love pizza. I love, you know, burgers and, you know, yeah, once in a while, but it's just, all, right? <laughs> but it's all about modifying where you can. Like I'll eat without one part of the bun sometimes or I'll eat with no bun sometimes. Or don't eat it every day. Yeah, you know, don't eat it every day. Pizza and burgers every day yeah. is no good. Yeah. Everything in moderation, including moderation. 
<laughs> one of the ones I love. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, so for me, that's you know super important is just taking care of your mind, body, and spirit. And that is your spiritual practice. And you know what? A part of that too is in life, there's a lot of life lessons wrapped into mind, body, spirit, and I can go on and on and on. But one of the last things I want to talk about here is worry. Worry is like poison because worry steals the present moment away from you. Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of bills and you're worrying about them, worry is not going to pay off those bills. You just figure out a way just figure out, get a loan, take an extra job on, or figure out a way to pay off the bill. Or you're overweight. Worrying about your weight is not going to worry the melt the fat away. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so being mindful of when you worry, listening to that inner GPS, uh, we're all born with it. It's just like gut feeling that we have. Mm. And you gain weight or you feel like you have a stomach ache or you're getting ulcers because of something's not aligned in your life. You're not in the flow. It's very important to pay attention to that. I love that worry steals the present moment because that's absolutely true. And I've heard it, not that specifically, but I heard there's a Buddhist saying that says, do you have something to worry about? Yes or no. Can you fix it? So if you don't have something to worry about, you don't worry about it. Yeah. If you do have something to worry about, it says, can you fix it? <laughs> then you say, yes, I can fix it. So don't worry about it. Just fix it. Yeah. If you can't fix it and says, well, you can't fix it. So don't worry about it. Yeah. In all cases, the worry doesn't. So it's just useless energy that's spinning around. Yeah. So I mean, if you die today, your bills are going to still be there. That's true. You know, and I'm not saying ignore the bills, but we tend to worry so much. I used to worry, and I'll tell you a little secret, is that I used to worry, will I get paid to talk? Maybe my parents will be right. Because anytime we're doing a passion of ours or doing something that excites us, there's always going to be people who either worry or naysayers or they're jealous. But for me, I just think only you know your truth and you know what you worry about. And when you worry about it, you know in your heart that you're like, oh, that doesn't feel good. So uh, a little secret is when I was, so I was like, am I going to get paid to speak for a living? I hope I do. And this is to my 18-year-old self. So I would tell that 18-year-old self, don't worry. You know, and so I've gone on to become a TV reporter, co-hosted a show on PBS. Remember, I wanted to run scripts to LeVar Burton for Reading Rainbow, Mm -hmm. but instead I ended up co-hosting a show on PBS. I wanted to teach at a college level. I do not have my master's, but I taught at two universities as a university instructor. And I do motivational speaking and get paid for that. And I look back now and I was just like, whoa, back in the day when we had Rolodexes, if y'all listening don't know what Rolodexes is, Google it. Right, right. <laughs> but um, now that we have our, our iPhones and our phones, uh, our Androids, but I used to look back and think, gosh, will I be able to even break into the TV business and be a TV reporter? And will I be able to make it to a big city? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the goal of a lot of people that are TV reporters. But I made it back to San Francisco you know, in a big city. And I know people at every single station, TV station now, and it's just like, wow, you put in the work and you just have to not worry about it. Right. What will manifest will be yours and it's supposed to be. That's awesome. Did you ever have to take other jobs? Because I just want to make sure people know that you have to keep your eye on the on the prize yeah. and work hard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I'm not a trust fund baby. Mm. So it's like you do have to hustle and you have to, you know, I've worked at a, a movie theater earlier on. I've graded standardized tests for the state of California. Right. So there's a lot of things that you have to do if you're not a trust fund baby and you don't have that money. You just have to figure out a way that, okay, so you, if you have your nine to five, the biggest thing for you to think about is you still have to make time for you and doing the things that excite you. So if you have to do that other job that is also a blessing, you have to think of it that way at the moment because it pays your bills. Of course. It allows you to live and do that other stuff. Just don't lose sight of the little things that, like if you like to bake, bake still once a week if you have that time. Mm-hmm. Or if you like to write, 
write 15 minutes a day or 15 minutes every other day or 30 minutes a week or whatever works for you. Make that part of a practice also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And once you gain all this stuff, I think the biggest thing is giving back. And that's my third life lesson. And I want to read you something that I have framed. It's an invitation that's actually in my bathroom. Okay. Is from the Dalai Lama. I had met this one, I think he was a monk. Um, was he a monk or a reverend? I'm not sure, but he was some spiritual teacher. Mm-hmm. And I met him somewhere. And the next time when we met up, he gave me this beautiful invitation to this um, speaking gig that the Dalai Lama did. And if I could read it Please. real quick. Um, this is a quote from the Dalai Lama. It sits framed in my bathroom and title is called The True Meaning of Life. And it says, we are visitors on this planet. We are here for 90 or 100 years at the very most. During that period, we must try to do something good, something useful with our lives. If you contribute to other people's happiness, you will find the true goal, the true meaning of life. I got the chills just reading that. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's in my bathroom and I see it every day as a reminder. I know a lot of people say, oh, be grateful and gratitude, but really saying I'm grateful and not being practicing gratitude, especially in the times of worry. It's so easy to sit on your lotus, you know, like your business is going well, you're sitting on your like, yeah, right? Lotus petal, like, oh, I'm like, that's great. Like I can be, and then when shit hits a fan, then you're like, you know, all this goes to the wayside. But my life's mission is really to inspire you to be better and do better for yourself and others. And that's why I love this podcast so much because you're now the conduit and you're sharing these life lessons for the future. And that's your legacy. So I'm feeling selfish because I'm learning so much from all these people. It's not really selfish, but I'm like, (laughs) "Eh, I learn all these things every day that I'm, I'm talking to all these amazing folks and it's, it's pretty cool. So Totally. That's a beautiful quote from the Dalai Lama. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, and so many people are like, oh, you know, when I make more money or when I have more time, I want to do what you're doing. And I'm like, no, like, now is the time. Tomorrow, this next moment is not promised. Yeah, you don't have to do 40 hours a week of volunteer work, yeah. but you could work, you know, yeah. a couple hours a week doing something. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. there's a lot of opportunities or just helping somebody cross the street that yeah. needs help or something yeah. like that. That's an act of service. Yeah, if you like to read, Maybe read to some kids, mm-hmm. you know, at an elementary school. Or if you're good at what you do, like you have your own business, right? And so if somebody wants to intern, like yeah. take them under your wing. Or like you said, it could be opening the door for somebody or you're seeing somebody in need and you, you're helping them. There's all these little things. And that's why I love the Everyday Hero series on Go Inspire Go, because yes. for the last 10 years, there's been over 150 volunteers from around the world that helped me with this mission of inspiring the everyday hero in you by sharing stories of everyday heroes. And a really short story that I really love is Phoebe Russell, five-year-old, um, mm-hmm. lives here in San Francisco. And she was a kindergartner at the time when I met her. But she saw hungry homeless people. And this is when homelessness wasn't as rampant and crazy as it is in San Francisco now. It's become worse. But she would tell her mom, I, Mommy, I'm so sad. I get so sad, Mommy, when I see these people. And so she knew she was sad and she knew that she wanted to help. But her only ROI was uh, return on investment was when she put a can in the machine, she got five cents back at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And so she talked to her teacher and she says, hungry homeless people, how do I help them? And she didn't understand the homeless part because she's like, everybody has a home, but hunger, like we have a pantry and we go to Whole Foods every week. She didn't get it. And so she was like, who helps them? And she was like, I want to help them. 
And so the teacher, Miss Albert, she said the, the food bank helps them. And so she's like, okay, well, I want to um, raise $1,000 for the food bank. And she was arbitrary number. She made it right, up. Right. The teacher's little like, kid honey. number. <laughs> yeah. She was like, oh my, she, the teacher was like, honey, you can't. You know, you want to collect aluminum cans. That's a lot of cans. And in two months before you get promoted to the first grade, it's going to be hard. And she was like, well, I'm going to write letters. So she started writing letters to her friends' parents and to the people in the community to collect cans. She wanted cans. <laughs> so thousands of cans came in. Then people started writing checks. And then here they have matching, like a lot of companies match donations. So the companies started matching the donations. And she ended up raising in two months almost $4,000. Wow. And so we did that little video. We crashed a little cupcake balloon uh, party where she gave a little beautiful uh, crayon box that she colored with people in the community, the homeless people, flowers and stuff like that, uh, that she drew on the pencil box. And she gave all this money to the executive director of the San Francisco Food Bank. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the video, I just put a five-year-old Phoebe, that raised enough to feed 18,000 people. Right. 18,000 people. Amazing. And then I said, if, if Phoebe can inspire 18,000 meals, what can you do? Write a check. You can donate to the food bank, canned food if you don't, can't write a check, or you can volunteer. Mm-hmm. and tell the food bank you saw this video because I wanted to track the data. Right. A few months later, I want to say six months later, I got an email and it was like Christmas to me. And the person at the food bank said, oh my God, Twan, you helped us multiply that amount to $20,202, which is now 80,000 meals. 80,000 wow. meals. That's a lot of food. And it gets better. One day I got an email from somebody that said, hey, Twan, there's a Feed the Hungry contest with this chicken company. Submit Phoebe's video. Sub- uh, and then I submitted it. And I got an email back from them and they said, oh my God, we didn't expect somebody this amazing. We want to give her a special grand jury prize. Can we get on a call with you, with our board and chat about it? And so they gave her 15 tons of chicken to give to the food bank. (laughs) 35,000 pounds. And if you can imagine, it's a big freight truck backing into the warehouse. Mm -hmm. And so now we're over 120 thousand meals. I mean, I kind of lost. That's a lot of chicken. A lot of chicken. (laughs) And fast forward a year later, Phoebe's in the first grade, still getting her friends to volunteer at the food bank on their spare Mm -hmm. time and on weekends. And uh, three kids from her previous kindergarten class saw this plaque with Phoebe's name. And then the teacher, they were inquiring about why is there a plaque in this little girl's photo? And so the teacher showed them the Go Inspire Go video. The kids were then inspired to do the similar drive and replicate it. They ended up raising about $3,500. And with that, I think now the count is over 200,000 meals served in our community in San Francisco. And that's the power of one. That's amazing. The intention that we have. So that's what I want to leave you with. And it's also, uh, what also struck me besides the beauty of the impact this little child had was that it doesn't, like $3,500 isn't that much money to feed so many people. Like Mm -hmm. you can have a lot more. Sometimes I know I feel like I don't do something because I'm like, ah, I can't really do much. Mm -hmm. But seeing how little it takes to do so much sometimes uh, is pretty impressive also. Yeah, I think it's so important that you live by your virtue and say that, you know, it's easy to say that, oh, be philanthropic and nowadays so many people like do stuff to just post on social media or whatever but if you do everything with with an intention just like with this style your spirit thing i was really hoping that one person would be like inspired and i hear many people now mm-hmm. um, including yourself that yeah. i'm delighted to hear that you make your bed because in, in my experience as a journalist all the successful people i know make their beds in the morning that's just paying attention Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, I think it's just so joyful to have flowers in your house or a plant, a living plant. Yeah. 
right? And my wife always has flowers in the house, yeah. and I I actually totally appreciate it because yeah. when I look at them, they're like, oh, it's so pretty. Yeah, you know, like you said, brings nature into the into yeah. the places. It's just the simple things that I think nowadays we're just so much into our phones, and you know, we all got to digitally detox. But mm-hmm. it's really important to just be still and. I always say, you do you. That's your the truth part. Mm-hmm. These are the lessons that I pass on to the, the next generation, my niece and nephew and people I mentor. So you doing you is so important. Is, is That's your truth. And your truth is so important. Mm-hmm. And it might seem weird to other people that don't understand, but when you're a kid, you know, you just want to try to fit in. But I love that quote. It says, why try to fit in when you're just born so unique and different and all of us are, right? And then the spiritual practice is so important because we're all going to be faced with all these challenges in life. But how do you deal with these challenges? Because challenges are here to teach us something. That's what they are. It's true. If you don't learn from it, it comes in a different way, shape, and form. And it's going to keep coming back in that different girlfriend or boyfriend that did you wrong or cheated on you or whatever. Or, you know, just some some way it'll just manifest and continue beating you upside the head. And then once you're learning those lessons, giving back is so important because really when you give, you get so much. And one of my favorite quotes from one of my favorite artists, poets is Maya Angelou. She says, when you learn, teach, when you get, give. So I want to say thank you for for learning and sharing and giving to everybody on this podcast. Thank you so much, Tuan. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lessons Live podcast. The Lessons Live podcast is part of the Lessons Live project, where our mission is to catalog the lessons of every human being's unique life and disseminate those lessons for humanity's betterment. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. If you have lessons you would share with the world, you can share them now at LessonsLib.com a platform where you can share your life's lessons and learn from others. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, please send me an email at info at and let me know what you would teach the world. Until next time, I wish you well.